Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors. Now, interest rates are high, or as the RBA would call them, closer to their historical average. But gone are the days where a 5 or a 6% yield is paying the bills for a lot of investors. So what we're talking about today is investing from a cash flow perspective in these high interest times. So we've got Drew Evans from Kaifu Property, a previous guest on the Geared for Growth podcast, and he's come back to talk to us about a case study on a duplex development where somebody built this duplex, sold one side, and achieved a cash flow positive position for the remaining part of the duplex. It's an awesome insight into some of these deals that are available to more sophisticated investors, and I'm sure you're going to get some value out of it. Here's Drew. Drew Evans, thanks for joining me back on Geared for Growth. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me, mate. Good to see you again. It's good to see you as well. I can't remember what your last episode was. I was on a podcast this morning as a guest and they were able to sort of say, you're on episode 10, 111. We're pretty poorly researched here, but you were on the show and we were talking about developments and duplex development. And I want to revisit that topic with a with a little bit of a twist on it because the environment that we're in sure. now is different to the last time that we spoke. Uh, you know, there was a time where a five or six percent rental yield was was a great cash flow property. Given the interest rate environment and, a, and you know and another increase, which at the time of recording was yesterday, that is not going to cut it anymore. But you've got a client case study you wanted to talk to us about where you're actually achieving some pretty good results in this high interest rate environment. Yeah, totally. And uh, a lot of people are feeling the pinch. Um, So this is kind of across the board where when we did speak last time, interest rates or the cash rate were sitting at 0.1%. Obviously, with yesterday's announcement, it's now 4.1%. So it's gone up a huge amount um, we've had, what, 12 consecutive rate rises other than the one that was uh, left unchanged. So, uh, yeah, we're in a very, very different environment now, and a lot of investors are, are feeling the pinch. So, Mike, what I've done as a company is as a strategy for, for anybody that is feeling uh, the pressure of cash flow, step number one is to always jump onto realestate.com, jump onto a domain, and have a look at what comparable properties are renting for in the market. That's always the step number one, because what I find with a lot of my clients is they haven't done an accurate rent review in recent times. Um, and it's phenomenal how uh, much more rents have actually gone up, which is a huge shame, obviously, if you're on the tenant side. But on the uh, on the landlord side, it's super important to manage cash flow. So step number one is make sure you do a, a rent review based on comparable sales of your same type of property. Um, the other thing, too, is a lot of our clients are actually looking at duplex development as a strategy. And uh, essentially, the, what I love about duplex development is the options that it gives you. So essentially, uh, on completion, you can sell one, you can keep one, you can sell both, or in fact, you can keep both. Now, I'm a big advocate of never selling if you don't have to, but I'm also an advocate of making sure that your portfolio sets you up. It doesn't set you back, right? Because you've got you to live life, right? There's no point, in my opinion, going to work so hard, whether it's in your job or in your business, just to keep your property portfolio going. Um, it should be the other way around. Your portfolio should pay you. You don't have to pay it. And mate, like you said, at the moment now with interest rates going up, um, it is putting a lot of pressure on household budget. So as a strategy, I, I want to talk about a client um, and let's call him Phil because um, he doesn't want us to actually use his name. Yep. Phil, <laughs> he actually purchased a duplex for $869,800. Now, it is a six bed, four bath, two car, which of course can be subdivided. So 
Uh, it's now finished. And, and what Phil's decided to do is to sell one half, use the proceeds that he's made on that one half to then pay down the debt on the other half and keep that one rented out, right? So that's the strategy is yep. if if things are tight, sell one half, pay down the debt on the other, and the cash flow that you get is, is quite phenomenal. So I can run you through the numbers if you want in detail. Um, Please. But the yeah. high level stuff. Okay, cool. So he paid $869,800. Now, uh, essentially, he put in a 20% cash deposit. Yep. But if you look at the cost base, um, you need to divide that property by two, the purchase price, because essentially you've got two, two properties. So his cost base is actually $434,900. That's his cost base, right? So each property, that's what it owes him. Yep. Now, because he put in a 20% deposit, he borrowed $695,000. $840. So again, the cost base for each of the properties on completion um, is $347,920. These numbers are super important, so I might jot them down in the podcast notes. Yeah, please. But what he's decided to do is, is Phil's decided to sell duplex A, and that's currently on the market for $689,000. It's on the market. Now, if we make some assumptions, let's assume Phil gets the sale price that he he's listed it for. Um, Remember, the cost base for his property, the one side, is $434,900. Yep. So he's sold it for $689. He's got to pay back his debt first and foremost, which is $434,900. Phil's left with $254,100 from the sale of one property. Yep. Now, I get it. Everyone's at home saying, Drew, that's all well and good. These are gross numbers, and, and they are. You need to factor in agent selling commission, capital gains tax, interest in construction, I get all that, right? But for the purposes of this example, um, the gross money that he walks away with uh, is essentially $341,080, right? Because remember, for duplex A, Phil's also put in a cash deposit. So what he's doing is he's got duplex A that he's selling. Duplex B, Phil's actually decided to rent out. And the rent that he's got on the market for is $520 per week. Yep. Now, again, if you're on the same calculations on the rental side of things, when Phil first did uh, uh, the purchase, the rent based on the cost base, remember, of 434900 the yield that he got was 6.2% on the cost base. Now, remember, if you do it on his debt, right? because again, we can work out yield in numerous ways, yep. the yield based on his debt, which is 347000 is actually 7.8%. Right. So all things being equal, if he didn't sell any property, he's got a rental yield of 7.8% still a really healthy return. But for <laughs> Phil and his family, he said, Drew, listen, it's a little bit tough. I really don't want to have to dip into savings in any way, shape, or form to fund my portfolio. I'm selling one half. Now, the other half, essentially, the money that he's walked away with, even if we were to use half of the proceeds, half of the proceeds at 170000 he can then pay that down into his loan amount. And the yield based on the debt now um, essentially is... 15.2%, 15.2%. So lots of numbers. Uh, and I guess I'll have to write this down so you can follow it step by step. But the premise is this, Phil's cash flow was struggling a little bit. Um, the interest rate now has to rise to 15.2% uh, for the property just to break even. Well, that puts 4.1% or it, let's say, I, I think I've even got a loan that's due for a refinance at 7%, which is disgusting at the moment, but at 15%, we can make that work. This is putting money back in their pocket. So with this duplex development, they've done the two, they've sold them. Yes, we're talking gross figures, but 
you know, even net figures, this is money going back into their pocket on a weekly basis, right? 100%. Well, remember, I've done my figures on super, super, super conservative numbers, right? Yep. I've assumed that only half of the proceeds, half of the proceeds from the first duplex sale pays down the loan on the second one, half. Mm. Right now, we know, see if uh, you do your sums right, you should get a lot more than that. So the, the new loan on the duplex that um, Phil's deciding to keep is $177,380. Yeah. But he's getting $520 a week on that one property. And that's where you get the gross rental yield of 15.2%. So again, um, every client's different. Everybody's circumstances are different. But this is a great strategy if your cash flow is a little bit tight because it does two things. You get to pay down debt, which improves uh, your after-tax cash flow. But it also, it frees up your borrowing capacity to then potentially look at another project and rinse and repeat the process. Ignoring the fact that interest rates are, I don't want to say high, um, the RBA would say closer to their historical average, but you know, compared to the last couple of years, they're through the roof, right? It's like our throats have been cut. But you know, we, we you and I are old enough to remember 7% cash rates and things like that. But But outside of the interest rates, this is a strategy that can help people that are building their portfolio, right? Because one thing that I'm hearing from people is they get one or two or maybe three properties, but they're unlikely to be heavily cash flow positive, right? They wait a bit of time, the rents go off, maybe they pay down some principal, but a lot of time they don't. You know, th these three, these two, three properties, they might be giving you five, ten, twenty thousand dollars back in your pocket, but that's not really enough to start yeah. looking at. Do I have retirement options or can I work part-time? So this is potentially a strategy for someone in that situation as well, right? I think this is a great strategy no matter what the market conditions are, to be honest, Mike, because uh, at the end of the day, unless you inherit a huge amount of money or you pay cash for property, everybody has to keep the banks happy. And uh, essentially, the only way to do that is to maintain a very strong borrowing capacity and obviously maintain a strong buying power. So, mate, whether it's you, whether it's me, whether it's Phil, at some point in time, the bank's going to say, hey, Drew, Mike, Phil, we're not going to lend you any more money. Mm. You need to increase your income or you need to decrease your debt. And for me, that's what I love about developing is you do have that option to take profit off the table, pay down the debt, and then free up borrowing capacity to redeploy the capital and keep growing and moving forward. Now, unfortunately, the, the area that you work in kind of gives you certain things in common with other people in the industry that would be considered to be spruikers or let's say off the pram. We're, talk we're talking new, right? And I think, you know, I've interviewed yeah. people before with similar style businesses and they, they, before we start rolling, they go, oh, Mike, I know that you're, you know, anti-new property. And I have to sort of say, I'm not anti-new property at all. I mean, I see value in established property, but especially compared to high-rise unit development. So when I'm talking new or especially off the plan, I normally am talking about a unit complex with 200, 300, 400 units in. How, do, do, is there a sort of a legacy issue but that because you're working in the new space, people are sceptical? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. 
you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Um, sometimes people are sceptical because they see the results that we put up on Facebook and they go, oh, it sounds too good to be true. Um, yeah. But what they don't see, Mike, is the 10 deals that get put in the bin. And to be honest, mate, I 100% agree with you, everything that you've just said. I would never, ever, ever purchase a brand new property at a full retail price. Knowing what I know now, I'd never purchase a property that's off the plan. Yeah. I would never go to a you know, open home for a brand new property that's for sale. Because what you got to remember, in real estate, there's margin everywhere. Yeah, The land developer makes money. A builder makes money. The developer makes money. A real estate agent makes money. The person that obviously owns the property makes money. So my strategy in my company is to try and control as much of that margin, essentially on behalf of our clients, so that you do have significant amounts of equity on completion. And so, yeah, mate, you're right. There are, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people that do the wrong thing, um, but there's a lot of companies that do the right thing as well. And uh, that's where I'm pretty proud of myself and my team. You know, we've been around for a long time and we will continue to do so because of the values, the ethics, and of course, the results that we generate on behalf of clients. That's the thing, isn't it? Because there are some people that maybe might sort of look a bit like what you're doing on paper, but many of those haven't been around for very long. And some of them are in the courts right now, which is uh, an unfortunate thing for the consumer, of course. But um, with, with respect to yeah. to your model, you know, you're not selling a duplex, right? That's that's not the model. It's it's partnering with someone to acquire land. And we've talked in our uh, our original podcast about mechanical momentum, about the value of connections with developers, where you might be purchasing a number of parcels, but you're doing it a at a at a, a correct time. You've also got relationships with builders. So w- w- would that sort of make you say that you're in kind of like the wholesale property? Uh, game rather than retail. Yeah, well, that's exactly what we do. We're, we're wholesale investors. Uh, we're essentially our job is to find opportunities that are essentially under market value. We can then add value to the parcel of land through doing a small development, whether that's a house or whether it's a duplex. So at the end, there's an equity advantage on completion uh, to give you options. You know, just as what Phil's done, he's got the option: does he keep both properties, rent them out? Does he sell one, keep one, or does he sell both? Um, and I guess through the last eight years that we've been in business, some clients have made some phenomenal results. Um, but you're right. The, the best thing I tell everybody is, hey, do your own research. And I'm the first person to say that. Even though it's my business, it's my brand, it's my reputation, I'm super comfortable and confident in everything that we do. At the end of the day, it's your money that you're investing. So you should do the research as well and the due diligence uh, to feel comfortable. And if you're not comfortable doing something, do not do it. Wait until you are. Yeah, and I think... Just that that approach, people sort of might be taken back because they're like, oh, don't you want me to sign anything? Or isn't there a seminar that I have to go to where I win a, a free trip to the Gold Coast to, to go and look at sort of stock? Uh, you know, obviously yeah. the 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 market um for new builders is, is is a tricky one, but but that's not the space that you're working in. Yeah. Well, I guess Mike, we uh, Mike business has a vested interest in the success of all of our clients, right? Because if we can help our clients make 100, 200, 300, I don't want to say it, but it's true. We've had some clients make $800,000 on a project. There's no reason for them to look anywhere else to get their second, their third, their fourth, and their fifth project. Yeah. And um, I guess it's important to note as well is we're not tied down to any particular developer, vendor, agent, geographic location, or any particular type of property. We'll go where we can get our clients the best return. And, and that's something we've done incredibly well. 
and I think we'll continue to do very well, especially in these market conditions. I love that. Now, uh, I want to ask the questions that maybe there might be people at home thinking, "Oh, this 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 Drew Evans guy. There's you know he's 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 talking conservative figures, but he's talking gross. You know, what's the elephant in the yeah. room? We talked about um, the the subdivision. Is that a big cost? Because when you're de- delivering a duplex, I presume, generally speaking, it's not strata title, but you would need to 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 strata it if you want to sell one side. Yeah, it depends. And there's a huge misconception around duplexes and, and what's involved. Everything that we do, Mike, when we put a project together is we always make sure that the development approval is inclusive of the subdivision. And, right. and I'll explain. Right? Um, at the moment now, you know, we're helping clients buy a duplex for 1.3 million, right? But based on comparable sales, uh, it should be worth 1.6 million on completion. So you pay 1.3, it's worth 1.6. Obviously, there's 300 grand worth of uplift at the end. Where people make a lot of mistakes is they don't factor in the below the ground costs. So things like your section 94 contributions, your headworks charges, your subdivision fees. Even when the project's finished at the end, the process then still isn't finished. You still need to engage a registered surveyor to carry out the subdivision, get the two titles, lodge them with the land titles office, get them back, get them revalued by the bank. So it's a very thorough process um, to go from start to finish. It's not just, a, oh, you're gonna buy a duplex and you can sell each one at the end. They have to be subdivided at the end. Otherwise, it's not possible to sell individually. Yeah, yeah. You can sell the duplex as a whole. You know, so if you find someone that wants to buy uh, the duplex for 1.6 million as a whole, you can definitely sell it as a whole. But again, to find that buyer at 1.6 million versus two individual buyers at $800,000 a side is obviously very different. Plus, I'm assuming that there's a as a cost premium for selling to ind- individual, like because a, a duplex, I suppose, is is a package deal where people would expect a little bit of a discount, but selling them separately, the premium is is worth more than the subdivision cost. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, well, totally. I mean, it depends on the council uh, as to what the actual section ninety four contributions are, what the headworks charges are, and obviously depending on the surveying company that you use at the end. Um, but yeah, I've never ever developed a duplex on behalf of any client that hasn't wanted to register the subdivision because that's the value in the strategy is creating those options. Yep. It's, hey, I'm going to sell one, I'm going to keep one, or hey, I'm going to get the whole project revalued at the end to get the equity equity I've generated back out of the project. Yep. This reminds me of one of those sort of memes, like this is Phil, you know, be like Phil. Phil's, Phil's, <laughs> Phil's had a great run. And uh yeah. Well, just just like Phil, and I guess this is a common concern because it it's not too good to be true. The reality is not everybody can afford Mike one point three million dollars. Yeah, right. That's the nature of of the market that we're in. If we were to have this chat uh, essentially three years ago, you could easily get duplex developments with all the above the ground costs, all the below the ground costs for under a million dollars. Yeah, but those days are done. Right? right. You just in the right markets that generate the good returns at the end. Things are getting more and more expensive. But as things get more expensive, so too are the rental returns that we're predicting as well. And, yes. and that's where, I guess, probably opens Pandora box around what the government hasn't done uh, in terms of the, the looming rental affordability crisis that we're in now, because uh, I can assure you it's a big, big problem. Well, judging by the movements from the states, it's likely to be exacerbated by policy than than fixed. But that's a whole that's a whole nother show. So um some of the other perhaps elephant in the room things where people might be, you know, naysayers, the capital gains tax is, is one. With, with Phil, um, 
would it have been more advantageous to hold on to the property for 12 months to get a CGT exemption or was it in a different structure where it didn't matter or were the sums just on we need to sell it straight away so we get the instant cash flow? Uh, this is the best part and let me give a quick disclaimer. I'm not an accountant. Get your own uh, accounting advice but this, <laughs> this is the answer. Uh, the way that the rules are written is the 12 months actually starts when you go unconditional on the land contract on the land contract, right? So not on when you finish the project, not on when you register the subdivision, on the land contract. Um, so the best thing with all of the duplexes that we do, if you held them in your personal name, the reality is the 12 months is probably already up by the time it gets to completion. So if you have a duplex development in your personal name, almost guaranteed that you'll have the 50% uh, the exemption Unless for some reason councils pull their socks up and get their DA approvals through in record time, the builders get things done in record time. And um, so I love this strategy for that. Yeah. Obviously, if you do these styles of developments in a company, um, you know, you don't get that CGT exemption. Uh, you get capped at the uh, the company tax rate, sorry, of, of 30%. Yeah. If you do it in a trust, there's all these different implications. But for Phil, the nature of the way that these developments get done, uh, get done, sorry, um, he's got the exemption anyway. Mm. I can imagine, you know, getting close to that 12 month period and look, let's say it's likely to happen, you know, 11 months and two weeks, there's got to be a way to sandbag things, you know, that, that landscaping, there's a, there's a, there's a shortage of Japanese box that's slowing us down. Surely there's a way to, to negotiate that. Totally. And, and to be honest, mate, it's worth just delaying it by two weeks. If that was the example, mm. um, because the capital gains tax savings would far outweigh two additional weeks of interest cost. Yeah, exactly. Now, you you, you raised a, a great point that uh, the good old days of being able to do these projects for, for 800K are gone. We're, we're talking a mil plus, you know, 1.2, 1 1.3. Um, you're a, a student of property investing. You're a property investor. You've, of course, mm -hmm. done many duplex projects yourself personally, but you've done things outside of that. For for people that are like, okay, well, I want to get to that level of sophistication where I can access these deals, they have to start somewhere, right? So where do you see yeah. the best strategy for beginner investors or people that maybe are looking at their first or second property, but but are coveting these sorts of returns or cash flow? Um, well, I guess the, the thing is, it depends. Like Tony Robbins has a good quote. It's not a lack of resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness, um, which has always stuck with me, right? So um, essentially, you just got to always remember, you need a good borrowing capacity and you need a good buying power. And if you don't have that, you can always join venture with people that do. Um, I've, I've actually just finished recording a video series on how parents can help their kids get into the market ASAP by helping them go guarantor with the equity in their home. Like that's just one example, right? We've got lots of clients that join venture together. One person may have the, the incredibly good income and the other person's got the cash or vice versa. Yep. Um, a good way to get started is you don't have to jump into a duplex project straight away. What's stopping you from dipping your toes in the water with a house project? Yep. We're still getting phenomenal results by getting into the housing market. And what a lot of clients do is they bump up their equity they need. They do a house project first and that leapfrogs them to be able to afford to get into a duplex development. Now, with what you've learned and your expertise, where do you see people trying to perhaps try and do this themselves going wrong? Mm. I see it as, as two main components. There's purchasing the land for the right amount of money, and I can see the deal really not stacking up or, or being worthwhile getting that wrong. There's also 
the construction, the construction contract, the contract price, and the builder that's doing it. Uh, what wisdom do you have around those components? And have I have I missed anything there? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to learning how to development, it's just that. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying go to an overpriced seminar bootcamp weekend, coming out thinking that you're Donald Trump. I'm talking about run feasibilities. Hey, if I purchase this block of land and I put on a dwelling that's this much, what are comparable sales worth? You yep. can do that on the back of a napkin, right? So educate yourself and say, well, listen, what is the cost to construct a four-bedroom home? What is the cost to construct a six-bed, four-bath, two-car duplex? Versus what's the cost to construct an eight-bed, four-bath, one-car duplex? What are the Section 94 contributions in this particular marketplace? How much does it cost to subdivide a property? And you can do these paper numbers. You don't have to jump out head first and go do a project straight away. Um, but that's one of the biggest mistakes I see people making. So they go to these seminars, these boot camps, which are great, by the way, but they're great for the people running them that have decades worth of experience. And so essentially for me, it's get educated, understand, don't dive straight in without knowing you don't know what you don't know. Um, potentially leverage off a company that's got the track record, that's got, got the experience, um, and you can learn as you go. But yeah, I mean, this this stuff is, is great on paper, uh, but there's definitely some inherent risks. But if you have the right risk minimization strategies, it's a very, very fruitful and profitable strategy. I love it. And and I know that you've said in the past that you're quite happy to, to teach people as they go along the process and as yeah. they decide that they've got the knowledge and the resources and, you know, the, the risk profile to do it itself, you, you, you welcome that as well. Uh, Drew, it's, uh, it's great having you uh, on the show. Thank you very much for sharing the, the wisdom today. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. And uh, yeah, for anyone that wants more information, I know we covered off on a lot of numbers. Uh, jump onto our Instagram page and I detail it step by step um, around what Phil and his family did. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, and we'll put uh, the numbers in the show notes. And what we might do is we'll have JD, our marketing guru, uh, put that uh, those into a video on YouTube as well. So if you're listening to this uh, podcast on Spotify or Apple, jump over to the YouTube and you'll be able to see a graphical uh, representation of those numbers as well. Very impressive. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate your work. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Yeah.